What's poppin' world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Joel Reynolds, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're uh, reviewing the Sony Marvel collab, Spider-Man 1033, No Way Home. Now, this continues on from the previous Spider-Man, which was uh, Far From Home, where he was in London, I believe, at the bridge, the London, he was all around England and just, well, London specifically, but he, he did go to Denmark, I mean, no, to Netherlands, but anyway, anyway, Mysterio getting pretty much killed by his, by the drones, not because of Peter, but because of himself getting all too cocky, so what is uh, the happening now is that they get the fallout from Mysterio leaking that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and this is leaked to the Daily Bugle where J. Jonah Jameson um, his, of course, as J. Jonah Jameson is back on top of it and broke the news on the internet because in today's modern society, newspapers and television are nothing in comparison to the internet, worldwide web, access to the worldwide web. The internet pretty much dominates all news cycles, whether it's social media or any other site in general. That's where people get most of their news these days. It's not so much on the six or ten o'clock news or morning news it's now whenever they can get a hold of it 24 7 online and jk rawlings reprises roles to J. Jonah jameson from the original spider-man trilogy as of this time it's more of a straight up J. Jonah jameson full unleashed like he looks like a bill o'reilly alex jones type uh just on the internet uh just go i guess you can say a tucker carlson type uh who will say uh hannity type like he's like that i don't want to say oh right but definitely like the right wing conservative uh you know spider-man's a menace he's a vigilante you can't trust him and he's a kid and then that's when the news broke it definitely shattered peter's world because in, in neither in neither trilogy well, i can't really call this the garfield movie a trilogy they only had two in neither iteration of the spider-man live action television show was his identity ever revealed? He was always having a secret identity, but they pulled a freaking Iron Man and his identity's on the line and everyone saw it and he's like, holy shit, this can't be real. And he's reacting to it. And so is MJ who happens to be there with him because they were swinging through New York City and they just happened to make a quick stop because of the Times Square, the big screen. So the crowd around them is like, are you Spider-Man's girlfriend? Oh my gosh. Like, and then they try to like mob him and he has to swing MJ to safety and they have to escape the media. There's helicopters everywhere and they have to go through the subway. And as they do go through the subway, uh, they see a, a glimpse of Flash Thompson just walking through, not even paying any attention. And they go down a sewer, a manhole of sewers and then pop up in Queens. So they went through hell and back just to get... MJ himself safe away from crowds of people who know his identity. It's out in the open now. It's crazy. So he's there and he's talking to his Aunt May, who's currently breaking up with Happy or letting Happy go nicely and saying, hey, we had a fling. We flung. You know, like it wasn't anything serious. And Happy's there crying his eyes out like, I loved you. <laughs> Pretty much like he got way too caught up in this fling and got it too serious. And she wasn't trying to get serious. She was just trying to have fun. And Marissa Tomei, let me just say, this woman never ages. She looks just as stunning as she did back in the days, and my cousin Vinny, as she does now. She looks gorgeously amazing. I mean, props to her. She looks phenomenal. So the fact that John Favreau was heartbroken, I definitely can feel that. <laughs> now, if my voice sounds a little bit off, I not that I have a cold, but definitely my dry throat from uh, the weather. It's the winter here is pretty rough in New England. Anyways, back to the movie. Let me just give you the professional 
blurb I got offline from Wikipedia here. Uh, I like to use the Wikipedia pages because it can give you a plot of a film and from there I can kind of just dissect the parts that I like, meaning they can give me a nice little paragraph where they paraphrase the whole film quickly. So here we go, we got Quentin Beck posthumously frames Peter Parker for murder and reveals his identity as Spider-Man. Parker and his girlfriend MJ, best friends Ned Leeds and Aunt May are interrogated by the Department of Damage Control. So they're damage control. We've seen them before, we know who they are, they're there to assess superhero damages and anything else and other that happened as the fallout of a battle of an epic fight against a villain or any kind of vigilantism and they're trying to hold him accountable. So Peter is, uh, before he is getting essentially interrogated and his family in total, they're in his apartment and um, he swings MJ there, he's changing and happy as he's getting his heart broken by on May and not taking it very well. Here's a noise to see if Peter's okay. He goes through because, you know, he's like a bodyguard for Peter. So Peter sounded like he was struggling. It was because he was struggling out of the costume because MJ was there and he was just getting fluster teenager things. And it looked like like Peter and MJ were smashing or just finished the session. And that's what it looked like on May, who's there like, hey, Peter, you could talk to me about sex. I'm pretty open about this. Like, no, it's not what it is. <laughs> it's a weird, awkward moment there. Nice little comedic moment. But then they have to uh, essentially shut their windows down. And then you see the news where they're, well, first, Peter just wants to focus on happy and and Aunt May splitting up. That's what hits on his mind currently to distract him from the fact that the news came out that he's Spider-Man all over the damn TV and internet. But this is where MJ's like, hold on, Peter, look at the TV screen. It's a live feed from the news in front of their house where Peter is at because they know his address. He's a student. It's public information. And damage control comes in, takes him away for the interrogation. Funny scene where Ned uh, spills the beans and rats him out unintentionally because he's such a naive kid. Uh, and then this is where MJ, May, and Peter ask for a lawyer. And who happens to be their lawyer? None other than the most clutch lawyer in all New York City for superheroes, Matt Murdock himself, aka the Daredevil. Yes, Charlie Cox is back, confirmed. There was rumors, speculation, and it's great to see him in the MCU because if you've seen the Hawkeye series, this is a little spoiler for the Hawkeye series, if you haven't seen it, you can skip this quick 20 seconds. Uh, Kingpin appeared in the final episode of the Hawkeye series as the big boss, bad guy, the head, and, head cheese in charge of the gangs that controlled the tracksuit mob, and he was the one behind all this to get Hawkeye in, taken down, and no, to get Eleanor taken down, sorry, and Hawkeye got in the way, so that's where he had to take him out before he got in too deep, because Kingpin knows his limits. Okay, back to the film. So, because of this, we know that Kingpin is now part of the MCU. Now Charlie Cox is part of the MCU. So Matt Murdock is, is this a hint that the Netflix Marvel series are slowly coming back into the fold of the MCU? I sure hope so. Bring them all back. Bring back Luke Cage. Bring back Jessica Jones. Bring back the Punisher, John Berthal as the Punisher, Frank Castle. Bring back uh, Jennifer Henwick if she's ready to come back to the MCU because she could now as her, her previous 
character. So if anything, she, I mean, then again, unless she wants to stick with the Matrix series, but I think they're not gonna be used to doing any more sequels after that, or whatever she wants to do. Maybe she wants to do the MCU, because it's a guaranteed check. Maybe maybe that was the case why she didn't want to do Shang-Chi, because she had an attachment to her previous character who can now be canonical. Sadly, I first see that the character and actor that played Iron Fist will not come back. Maybe Iron Fist, the character would, but not the actor. He didn't quite fit the role. It wasn't his fault. It's just didn't give him enough time to train. Like, you need time to learn wushu. Like, you can't just learn kung fu and martial arts and then they will. You gotta have lots of time to hone the craft. So it's better to pick somebody that has a background in martial arts to be this character, but also can act. And that's a tough balance because most people don't have access to martial arts till like they're older in life as far as like money-wise. Because if you come from an impoverished background, they're not teaching you any, 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 every type of martial art they're around. Most people just know the basics of Taekwondo and Karate. And then once they become adults, they get into what exactly form they want to train in. So it's it's hard to do martial arts unless you get a martial artist. So that being said, I don't think Finn Jones is right for the part, but that's neither my decision or anybody else's. He's not a bad actor. He's a great actor and he was amazing in Game of Thrones. And I hope he gets another project that fits him, suits his, his uh, passion for the arts because I met the guy in Comic-Con or Rada and he was a pretty dope guy but sadly this was when he found out the news that the show got cancelled and you can see it in his face he was very pissed off when he got this news and now trying to talk to people so I don't blame the guy he held it down when he could but he had everything against him at this point because of the whole Kevin Feige and the president of Netflix Marvel and not getting along so Feige now runs the whole show so it's all under his camp and thankfully he's bringing back the Netflix actors or some of them at least into the fold because we don't want to recast Daredevil like Matt, Charlie Cox was an amazing Matt Murdock and I just in this role he fits real well because he's there telling Peter like you're you're good you're safe this is all Star Tech and you're a child technically this falls under uh, Happy who might get investigated get a good lawyer and Happy Hogan's like what what do you mean he's like, he's like dude you're the guy in charge of Stark Industries and this is a Star Tech it all falls under you <laughs> he's like you better lawyer up and this is where Happy freaks out and has a moment you're like oh my gosh uh, I, I do not want to talk uh, what they're the same good for this and, like, and then on Mace like calm down Happy we're gonna work this out it's a crazy scene so this is where it happens he goes Parker is back in school and him and MJ are there chatting up in the rooftop of their high school Ned comes in as a third wheel and, and kind of just cock blocks him <laughs> not, not intentionally but he's a good friend of them there so he's there coming in and he's trying to see what they're gonna do and then this is when uh oh man it gets tough because there's a issue in school where half the staff and the students believe Parker was a hero and the other half believe that Mysterio was the real hero in it because Mysterio portrayed himself as a hero character before no one knew the real Mysterio was a villain and he was doing these illusions they just saw him as this other dimensions uh, hero and he's not and he's anything but that he's just a charlatan with a nice hustle that got caught and he somehow was able to frame Spider-Man post him out you know past his death though this guy was a genius for sure. Quentin Beck worked for Stark before. He was part of that fold. He knows the tech. And sad to say, when he got a hold of the glasses, he kind of destroyed Peter's life. And now this is the fallout and the aftermath of all this going on. And so after all this happens, uh, Peter has no clue what to do. He's like, he wishes nobody knew who he was. And I gave him an idea to visit the Sanctum Santorum. 
and visit Stephen Strange and ask him for a spell that would have people forget who he was, pretty much that no one would know Peter Parker was Spider-Man, and then Parker repeats the requests and bugs him. Mind you, as he's walking in, he sees the Sanctum Sensor and is covered in snow, and it's because apparently Strange opened a portal from a, the <laughs> Siberian tundra, and a blizzard went through and got all this snow in the, into his uh, mansion. And you see two people there who are like, I guess, caretakers that are just shoveling away slowly, like, oh, this is gonna take forever. And poor guy, poor, poor folks. But Wong, Wong comes in, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Keep shoveling. Because <laughs> Wong is now the Sorcerer Supreme. Since Stephen Strange was blipped for five years, someone else had to be the Sorcerer Supreme. So now Wong is in charge, and, and Strange is, Doctor Strange is like, damn it. Now I gotta follow his orders. <laughs> so that's that good dynamic. But Wong is the most, like, the truly New Yorker character in the MCU, like, he don't give a shit. Like, he's just there, like, listen, if you're going to cause any trouble, leave me out of it. I, I have nothing to do with this. I'm out. Because he's got shit to do. He ain't not, he's not trying to do anything that's going to get him caught up in some bullshit. Like, he is very much like, I'm busy doing real things that matter, and you guys want to joke around and mess with the multiverse, be my guest. So, move on here where Doctor Strange, after some apprehensions for Peter because he's still a minor if you guess he's a kid uh, suggests a spell that would make Peter forget people forget Peter was Spider-Man Parker does a bunch of altercations change alterations sorry to get like wait a minute actually no no what uh, my girlfriend should also know but besides her no one else fine he's like oh wait, wait my best friend has to know Alright, I said, no, no my aunt may should know and he messes the spell so much the spell gets corrupt so Peter has to deal with the fact that he is stepping on his own toes because out of desperation. So Doctor Strange has to grab the spell and put it in some safety in some con container to confine it because it's so corrupt and it, it could destroy the fabric of time and space because Peter kept interrupting him as he was giving the spell. So Parker goes to um, talk to uh, he gets kicked out of Sanctum obviously and he goes uh, what, what can he do? Uh <laughs> He pretty much kicks him out. Parker goes to convince an MIT administrator to reconsider MJ and Ned's applications because even Strange is like, wait a minute, before you can, you considered convincing the deans to the schools of your choice because you got your friends expelled. Because there's a scene where he gets, they're all thinking about going to MIT or other schools together, having backup schools, that whole college application process. And they apply and then they don't get into the schools they want because of MJ and Ned being affiliated with Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man. And Peter feels so guilty, he tries to do this spell so that nobody knows he was Spider-Man. Ergo, you know, everybody, everything would be back to normal. There would be no, no one would have to worry about anything because it would be like if nothing ever happened. But then in doing so, MJ and Ned are no longer his friends. So by association, they wouldn't know that. So he has to go, thanks to Flash Thompson, walked into them. They were like in some sort of, I think it was MJ's job. She works in some sort of like coffee shop bakery and saying, hey, uh, there's a mixer for the MIT freshman to be. And uh, if you want to go, I'm going to, oh, but he's like, see, notice they didn't get into MIT. So he's like, okay, I'm out. And he heads out. So this gives Peter plans to actually talk to the dean and convince her that Ned and MJ should go. It's all his fault. Nothing nothing that he does affects them because they're not involved. They're just civilians. And he, whatever he did, he deserves to get expelled or not accepted, I guess, to college. 
So as he's gonna go there, he has to find her in the highway, and he goes on the highway to see her, her truck. And there's obviously New York City, so there's a bunch of traffic. Who comes? Who pops up? I don't know where. None other than the octopus, Otto Octavius, and he rips Parker's nanotech from his suit, and some of it gets on his one of his octopus arms, and and it kind of bonds with it. And this is where we have a big fight where Peter is uh, confused because. Dr. Doc Ock doesn't think he's Peter, but it's because he's from the Tobey Maguire world. And obviously Tom Holland does not fit the bill of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So as they're fighting, they have this moment where almost gets killed and then he gets unmasked with the doctor. He's like, you're not Peter. Because first he was impressed that Peter had a crazy new suit, but it wasn't nothing against him. And then the, the spider, spy, iron spider legs come out and they fight the octopus legs, a crazy scene, and then all of a sudden, uh, Peter realizes that Nanotech is bonding with his arms, so he's able to, like a Bluetooth, just synchronize it so he can control his arms and get everyone back to safety. The Dean is so impressed that he, she, that she acknowledges that uh, Peter is truly a hero and not a menace, so she's gonna make some calls and let MJ and Ned and Peter into MIT with no, with no issues. So here we go, where Peter was trying to convince to save his friends, and he also got himself back in, but he was trying to say, like, no, 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 it wasn't for me. He's like, listen, I insist, because he saved her life. But as Dr. Octavius, Dr. Ock, is now trapped in his own arms as Peter controls it, what pops up is none other than a pumpkin bomb. And this is where you see Norman Osborn and attacking everyone on the highway on his glider, like, oh, great, the freaking Green Goblin's here. And then this is a strange teleports him back into the Sanctum Sensorum and locks up Octavius in a cell next to um, Kurt Connors, a.k.a. the Lizard. And then Strange explains that this corrupted spell summoned people from other universes who know Spider-Man's identity. And because Par Parker could kept changing the spell mid-sentence and he sort of keep re-altering it, that it, it caused a rift in the multiverse. And anybody who knows a Peter Parker is, is Spider-Man, I guess. Uh, is brought to the fold, or should I say, into their world. So, as Pat Parker now has to play Hunter and capture all these anomalies, variants, you want to call them, I guess, and Strange gives him, like, some sort of uh, zapper where it teleports him back to his dungeon, and he has this thing on his suit where it just changes to a black suit, to the black and gold suit, so I guess it's covered in magic or protective magic, and... This is where we get all the introduction of all the old school hero of villains, the rogues gallery of Spider-Man, that from all of the Spider-Man films. So we've seen the Green Goblin, Doctor Octopus. Uh, we get to see Electro, a new version of Electro. No blue suit, no blue, no blue Electro anymore. Now it's just Jimmy Fox himself and his arc reactor for form from the comic books. Um, and then thankfully, uh, Sandman is here and he's on Parker's side. He's not exactly a villain. Because him and, him and Parker had a, I guess from their fallout, were having a, a peace. They made peace. They made peace. So between Sandman and Parker, in the middle of this like field where they have like these power lines, um, then they're fighting Electros and capture them. So they do, and they send them all back to. Well, I guess Peter sends them all back to the dungeon, including Sandman, who's like, wait. What are you doing? He killed the lecturer when he zapped him. He doesn't know it's a teleporting device. He just thinks that Peter just zapped and killed him with this crazy device. Because what do you expect? Someone's pointing a gun at you and just evaporate, you know? So we have this moment where all the rogues gather, all of the rogues, villains, whatever you want to call them, are there in the prison cells. They're all talking to each other. 
and they're like sharing their war stories of how they were they had just been this close to just defeating spider-man and they can't remember what happened and that's when the moment when they realized they've all been died they all killed got killed they all died so whatever they did led to their demise and they're like we got sent to this world but if the spell is let go then all those villains would die so they, once they realize that they're actually in a wizard's dungeon just like oh mj said it technically is a sorcerer wizards is a different class of magic user no, sorry so i'm sorry to get all super nerd on you but it's essentially they explain what's going on and all the heroes and villains are there trying to realize how to get out of that prison and parker has to head out and capture the rest of the anomalies where they are wherever they're located so Parker captures Max Dillon, who's like AK Electro, Flint Marco, AK Sandman, Osborne, and reclaims control of himself from a split ring goblin personality disorder he has, where he's like super bipolar. He's in a back alley and he's talking to the goblin mask. He breaks it, and he goes to the feast building where Aunt May works, where she does all that um it's like a soup kitchen essentially, where May conform uh, con I guess confides in his case and like. He, the fact that he knows Peter, he's there the, to calling Peter over, and then he even says, "Hey," she even says, "Hey, uh, the Norman Osborn that knows you is here to find you." And then Peter runs into into the action, thinking that the Green Goblin attacking on May, but no, it's just mild matter. Norman Osborn, who's confused because he's not in his world and out of his element, looks kind of homeless the way he's dressed, and he looks like just any any random homeless old man you would see. And no, Norman Osborn is. His intelligence and his wisdom is used into helping Peter at first because he convinces Peter that, hey, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not sometimes who I know I am. So he's not being deceitful. He's honestly saying, I don't know, sometimes I'm not myself. But right now I'm me and I can do anything I can to help you and send us all back to our world and also save these people because he knows that a lot of these villains are going to get killed because... Parker explains the situation and he understands thoroughly. So, and he used the pretty iconic line. I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. <laughs> like he said it. He said the line, the thing. He did the thing. So him and Octopus and uh, they're all trying to help with the, with the technology here. They're all trying to get everybody back to normal. To, to get Otto Octavius back to normal with um, Parker and Osborne, I guess, soldering a. New, piece, new chip because his broke which would prevent the AI from controlling him so they finally make a new chip so Octopus is back to normal his real self comes out and he's there like oh my god the silence there are more voices in my head because these AI tentacles were controlling him and telling him what to do so they're working on Electro but then shit goes haywire where Speeder's spider sense or his tingle thing as he calls it occurs and this is when the real Norman Osborn or should say the Green Goblin Norman Osborn arrives and attacks so there's a huge epic fight in this complex where Happy because they're all staying in Happy's uh, after the attack well there was a moment where Matt Murdock was their lawyer and he noticed that there was a brick incoming from the window what a note said Electro was right so you know how that goes you know how everybody has their own views so this is where he and of course he's blind so everyone's like how do you do that he's like I'm a really good lawyer so call back to that scene they had to relocate from their uh, Queen's apartment complex and move to Happy's I guess midtown Manhattan like penthouse with like super stark security and 
again, they, this is where he brought, where Peter brought back all these villains because he felt that he was guilty because since they all died in the hands of Spider-Man, he wanted to make sure they all lived and go back to their worlds as changed men and if he can heal them. And he he's too good for his own good because even Doctor Strange is like this, you can't, you can't fix them all. This is their fate, their destiny. And that's when Peter steals the corrupt spell and has a battle with Doctor Strange and they go to the mirror world and he uses geometry of all things to stop Doctor Strange from fusing him. It's like a kaleidoscope world where everything's mirrored image and his geometry was able to get Doctor Strange tied up and hanging through the hang hang <laughs> hanging through the Grand Canyon for about 12 hours, which happens later on in the film. It, the whole film is just wild. It's just a big journey where Peter's trying to get back everyone healthy, but because he's such a good good-hearted kid not quite a man yet and trusting Norman too easily Norman was able to get the pumpkin bombs and get everyone fighting and then Electro joins the side as he was trying to get healed up and starts attacking and Sam and, and it's just Peter in a collapsed building but holding his dying Aunt May in his arms and you get that whole Uncle Ben moment where he, he says the line with great power comes great responsibility the line that was supposed to be said by Uncle Ben but in this world this Aunt May wasn't about settling down and getting married she was just out there living her best life single so she never met an uncle ben to begin with so this is where the lines are said by her instead of by by ben to peter so we get a whole new mcu origin story of spider-man in this world because of course it's a multiverse so even though we've seen the quote-unquote right versions with andrew garfield's and tom mcguire spider-man this one isn't, they changed it up so much, so like we might as well just change up the story altogether so that it fits our MCU Spider-Man. And it sense again, they never casted Uncle Ben. I, my, in my, in my fan fiction theory, I figured that Tobey Maguire would come back and be casted as a version of a younger version of Uncle Ben, but that didn't happen. That would have been genius, but it didn't. And you'll, you'll know later on why it didn't happen because they already have contingency plan for all this. Like, think about it. This shit took three movies for Peter Parker to get an origin story. That's wild to me. Like, it took this long for Spider-Man to finally get his true origin. And it didn't happen by the ways we saw because in other worlds, it happened one way. In this world, it's a little bit altered. And they've already altered the character enough with Iron Man being his essentially teacher or and him being his protege so why not just keep changing the story up but sort of keeping elements of the actual lore the same so peter goes missing as he's trying to clear his head and mj and ned are scared to find him and, and somehow there's a point where ned was able to get Doctor Strange rings, which opens portals, and he's just there in his dining room in his, in his grandma's house and an MJ, and he's just moving his hands, and it activates a portal, and then you see a Spider-Man through the portal, and they call him over, thinking it's Tom Holland's Peter Parker, but who comes and pops through? None other than the amazing Spider-Man's Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man from the previous films. I marked out when I saw this, like, yo, let's effing go, this is it. This is the crossover we're waiting for. If all the villains are going to cross over, of course the heroes are going to pop in too, right? So Andrew Garfield has a moment where you see him as Peter Parker, and he's there, and he MJ doesn't believe he's Parker, and asks him to prove it, and climb a ceiling, and crawl, and then 
Ned's grandma asked him nicely, well, she speaks, I believe, Tagalog, the native language of the Philippines, and Ned's translating for her to grab the cobweb in the corner and you get a funny moment where Andrew Garfield is actually crawling just to take the cobwebs out. And she's like, thank you, in English. I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden they're like, try it again, try that trick and see if you get another Spider-Man. And then show me Peter Parker, Ned says, as he opens another portal and it's, who isn't this time? It's not their Spider-Man, their Peter Parker. It's the original Spider-Man's Tobey Maguire. That's right, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield both popped in. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And he's dressed as a common man, but not wearing a spider suit. But then you see that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield have a weird moment where they're like, wait a minute, who are you? Who are you? Why are you wearing my suit? You know? And then they start flicking webs at each other. And then you realize that they're both our Spider-Man. And this is where the grandma's like, hey, clean up your messes. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to bed. And then you have a moment where they all discover like there's more than one Spider-Man in more than one world, but they kind of knew that they were teleported to the world, that, uh, to our world, the MCU, and they are able to help Peter. So the whole point of this was to get the heroes to essentially show Peter the way because they, they've had great losses. They both lost their Uncle Ben. Uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man lost Gwen Stacy. So they understand grief. And so they go in to find Peter where his hiding spot would be, where he would get away from everything. Uh, according to Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, he's like, he has to go to the Chrysler building and just look at the rooftop and the skyline. And then Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker's like, well, I like to go to the Empire State Building, better, quite better for you. And then they asked MJ and Lynn, where would Peter go away to get away from everything? And since he really hasn't really been in the city that much, he's... Lived, I mean, he's lived in the Queens his whole life, but he hasn't spent much time in Manhattan like that. Uh, or at least as Spider-Man, he hasn't. Man's got a, the kid's gone to space, for God's sakes, and fought aliens, but he hasn't done this. And this is where they, uh, with all, through, all because of Doc oh, Strange's sling ring. Uh, so they try to locate Peter. Um, they find the other two Parkers, summons with Strange's spell, and then they get nicknames like Peter 2, Peter 3. And... They are there, and they all go to Peter's school in Queens, and they see him on the rooftop, and then have this moment where Tom Holland, Spider-Man, feels guilty for his Aunt May's death, and that he, you know, he doesn't want help another two Peters, but they're there like, hey, we've had losses ourselves, and we've been to the same things you've been through, and we've gone to dark paths, and we want to prevent from you to go there. And so they all link up, and they start making, I guess, cures for all their villains in the high school science lab because they're at the school obviously and it's a, a funny moment where Ned calls over Peter they're all named Peter he's like Peter Parker's like we're all named Peter Parker <laughs> and it's something you want to show him on screen and there's a clever moment here where uh, Ned asks uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man like hey you had a best friend right what was he like he's like well he's like, I had a best friend he died in my arms he was trying to kill me <laughs> it was like a very morbid dark moment and joke and Ned's like Oh damn! I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna go this way, and then you see that MJ and, and Tom Holland, Spider-Man, are there just you know talking amongst themselves, and you see the Toby looking at Andrew, who as they're working on their serums and stuff for their their villains, he looks at Andrew like, hey, do you have your own MJ yet? He's like, nah, I never had time for women after Gwen Stacy. Like you know, pretty much she's been keeping to himself. And Peter's like, don't give up. It's not all perfect, but, you know, if you give it your all, you might end up finding that you're the one for you. And this kind of gives the audience a, uh, almost like a 
and nod like, hey, if this movie gets people talking, maybe Sony can do an Amazing Spider-Man 3 and finally finish off his trilogy. Because the way that movie, it, it sucked because Amazing Spider-Man 2 wasn't amazing. Sad to say it wasn't. The villains were great. The, the Of course, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was great, but the script was terrible. The story wasn't there. It's not anyone's fault, and people didn't watch it. So they never got a third film. So there's almost like a nod, like, hey, let's just give him one more to complete his trilogy. And if fans back it up enough, maybe the MCU, maybe Sony can make it happen and see what it goes. It doesn't have to be their world. It doesn't have to be the Tom Holland Spider-Man world. You can put him in, let's say, the Venom world. You can put him in a different world together and alternate stories because there's not any connection to the tissue to the Avengers and what you have planned for this version of Spider-Man which is what's great about the multiverse you're able to just make up whole different worlds that don't tie into the one that we're following the thread that we're following as a fan as the fans are watching this giant story being told you can just tell a story on a different world different whole you know results that don't tie in into ours directly so I, as a fan, would love to see Andrew Garfield back to reprise his role as Spider-Man and meet his version of MJ and probably face Tom uh, Hardy's Venom. Because no offense to Tom Hardy, great guy, great actor, he's way too old to be fighting Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Tom Holland's Spider-Man is barely going to college, and Tom Hardy's playing pretty much a, his age version of Venom. So Andrew Garfield and him are look closer in age and would seem more like actual rivals on screen versus a Tom Holland who seems super young. So there's an age difference that just like, why would an older man be jealous of a kid that's barely in college? Of course not, but he would be jealous of this reporter who's a grown man like Andrew Garfield is in his late 30s and who's gone through grief and loss and seen a lot and just trying to survive in the city. And this is where you can start the rivalry and we hope to wait and see if it actually occurs. I want to see if it actually happens or not. But it was definitely, uh, again, they left a lot of open-endedness in this film to kind of like say, hey, fans, you want to see this? Talk about it. Let's see what actually gets green light. So this leads up to this moment where P uh, Peter Parker, our version, Peter 1, uh, goes to on air on J. Jonah Jameson's uh, Daily Bugle show and confesses that, hey, yes, I had a fight with Mysterio, but I was defending the country to swear I was doing it for the for the good causes and fighting for the evil. He, I'm not the bad guy here, and I'm gonna make everything right. And he says his location, where it's the Statue of Liberty. They're reconstructing it. They're putting Captain America shield there. So there's like a bunch of construction platforms, and this is where the three Parkers have a plan, and then they have a funny sequence where they're just being themselves, being normal dorky guys, just talking amongst themselves. Uh, I think Andrew Garfield was, was uh, requested to crack Tobey Maguire's back because he has like a middle back problem from all the swinging, and Andrew's like, yeah, I get a lot too. And then they're just so human, and then they're all talking about their exploits, and Tom Holland's Spider-Man Spider is talking to, to the other ones like, hey, hey, what kind of villains you guys fought besides the ones that we know of? It's like, oh, I fought in like Alien from Space. It's like, oh, I fought Alien too in space. Like, you were... Up in space he's like yeah and then um he was talking to uh, and then Andrew Garfield feels kind of self-conscious like oh, I haven't fought an alien space yet I did fight a Russian in the rhino suit though um and I fought and they're just giving their whole stories of all the films they've been in where they fought their their villains their rivals and they get ready for the attack and they have the cures now for all the villains set up and webbed and then they have this epic final climax where they have a fight where all the villains attack them the lizard and the goblin octopus is actually there 
but he's not a bad guy. He's there to help Peter. He's just God's the villain to just go with them along with it until he can stop them all. And he actually stops Electro from frying all the Parkers and getting powerful and takes off his, uh, this arc reactor that he stole from Peter because it was an arc reactor in the quote-unquote uh, sewing table that Happy just how happens to have in the back of his apartment covered with a freaking tarp. And this is where Peter gets a new updated suit and he helps the, park, uh, the other Parkers um, get their tech. It pretty much helps build any kind of tech so that they can make the cures and pieces they need to give these villains back to normal and back in the world alive and not dead. And then the fight happens. Three Parkers are of the cures. The remaining villains are lured in uh, by Dylan, Marco, and Connors in the Statue of Liberty, where two Peter, Peter two, and Peter, and well, I guess two of the Peters, uh, and <laughs> Peter two and Parker cure Marco and Connors, respectively. You got uh, Doc Doc, who arrives to help and cures Dylan, Max Dylan, that is, after which Peter three, aka Andrew Garfield, reconciles with Dylan. Uh, lets him know that hey you're special without your powers either way and then this is the moment where Max Dillon's like hey um, you're a kid from Queens trying to help poor people and you're, you're pretty down to earth I could have sworn I thought you were black for some reason and then you see Andrew Garfield Spider-Man like oh I'm sorry man it's like hey it's alright man it's probably a black Spider-Man out there somewhere and sort of the crowd in the, in the audience of the theater would just pop like oh yeah we get it's a callback to Miles we, which we could see Miles I hope we do maybe he's another multiverse I don't know what they're going to do with the Miles Morales character, but they're saving it for later because Peter, our Peter Parker is still a high schooler going into college, and I don't think we get the Miles story until essentially the next trilogy where Parker graduates college, and that's when you really see the Miles character pop in, and he's like a uh, he's like a uh, mentor for the young Morales. So this is the moment with Truth where they're all getting cured, and then everything's working out until the Goblin comes in, swooping in and steals the box and then they have a fight on the shield that fell on, on from the statue on, it's right there with the on ellis island they're all fighting and then spider-man has a fight the green goblin Tom mcguire's goblin and it's an epic fight where he wants to kill him because this is the man that killed on may it was all his fault and then Tobey Maguire gets in the way before Peter was able to impale that uh, his Green Goblin. He's like, "Don't go down a deep end. This is a path you're not going. Not verbally, but just in his eyes. You can tell him he's saying that." And then the Green Goblin stabs Tobey Maguire in the back. And people assume that that Spider-Man died, but then somewhere, Tom Holland goes all in and attacks and just beats a living dog crap out of. He just hits. He just tears his ass up. And he just takes down the Green Goblin, but he doesn't kill him, he cures him. Thus, Norman Osborn realizes where he is, what he's done. He's no longer controlled by the Goblin. The Goblin is gone, or at least contained from what I see. Because who knows if he breaks again whenever he has an episode. But at least for now, he is himself again. And this is where they have their moments. And obviously, Tom McGuire survived it. Stabbing is like, oh, yeah, I've been stabbed before. <laughs> so, again, another callback to his film. And him and Ed Garfield's there holding him. And um, they're all just saying, hey, Peter, you're a great hero. You got a great path for you. And pretty much that whole spiel, like, go and do, you know, talk to your friends, whatever. And then finally, obviously, Doctor Strange was there to help out and take some credit he got out of his 12 hour uh, hanging from the Grand Canyon and he's like because Ned opened a portal and he's like oh, 
I was forever trapped over here. And then he's like, okay, we're doing the spell, but this time for real, are you ready? And then this is because the multiverse was ready to crack, actually. I forgot that part. My gosh, I'm jumping around here. The multiverse was opening up for, for good, and all the villains are remaining in this. All the spider worlds are going to come into the MCU world. And then Peter's like, no, make another spell. This time for real, everyone is going to forget who Peter Parker is and Peter Parker is Spider-Man for good. And then he's like, sure, even your best friend and your girlfriend's like, listen, for their own safety and well-being, make that happen so that I can't feel guilty of if they ever get hurt because they're only getting hurt because they're friends with Spider-Man. So if they're no longer friends with Spider-Man, they're no longer going to be in these perils. And it's true because anybody who's associated with Peter Parker is going to feel the collateral damage of being around him and that's the story that we have here so peter uh it takes takes this as a final farewell to his girl and he's and 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 then he says don't worry about it i'm gonna find you guys and reintroduce myself and you're and hopefully one day reveal to you i'm spider-man again but he's not because once it actually happened the spell works everyone forgets peter parker spider-man he goes back to his regular life he goes back to the cafe where mj is there working and doesn't recognize him and has a conversation notices that she has her cut in the band-aid from where she got hurt and then you got ned walks in and passes right by him and talks to mj about the schools they both got into mit and and then peter parker is just there like uh introducing himself and he's gonna give this whole speech to reveal who it was and he's like no they're happier without me they don't need me in their lives they're they're good and then he just goes on and this is it. This is the, how the film ends. Is Peter just resigns his own suit with a sewing machine, gets a shitty apartment in New York like he's meant to be having. He goes off to help people fighting crime and stuff and being your neighborhood friendly Spider-Man. And after all this this journey we've gone with Peter, with the Avengers, Civil War, with um, fighting off the saving the universe against Thanos, like he's done so much and he's going back to being a mild-mannered uh, local superhero and I'm loving it that his this new costume that he makes is the iconic classic Spider-Man costume as well too and that's where the movie ends but this movie left a lot of questions I mean it, gr granted I give this shit a five full stars great film love it but um, it definitely was leaving me hungry for more I'm like man I can't wait to see what happens like is he gonna be associated with the Avengers down the road again because they kind of left it open ended because this is before against Tom Holland signed it for more movies um, which I think was down to the wire like the whole third arc of the film was changed when they were able to get Tom McGuire and Andrew Garfield back into the fold like it was a big deal for them to get all these um, le legacy characters back in especially the villains who all agree to come back but to, especially Tobey Maguire who's hard to really get and Garfield of course is a little bit easier because he's been dying to get back in spider suit and now he's campaigning to get a third film and hopefully he does I really think he deserves it if anything give him more films why not if you could have two Batmans in the DC world why can't you have two Spider-Man it just makes sense plus you're gonna get more money from different movies you have different franchises going on at the same time it's just a no-brainer for Sony like let's make as many Spider-Man character films as we're able to make because then people are gonna go see them you know, let's see what happens. Like, hopefully people show up for this one because this version of Spider-Man that we got to see was more 
of the Spider-Man I wanted to see in the second Amazing Spider-Man film from Andy Garfield. So I'm glad that he's able to show his chops and like this essentially was a tryout or a uh, I guess yeah, it was a tryout for the role again via this. I wouldn't even call it a cameo because he was a supporting character in the film, but this role was to in audition for bringing him back into the fold of Spider-Man, and I hope it happens to him. Now, with Tom Holland, he feels like he wants to take a break and do other things, which is fine. He doesn't want to be typecast as just Spider-Man. He's doing Uncharted with Sony, and he wants to do other films as well, which is great, all of them and all that. I, I completely understand. You don't want to be typecast. You don't want to be just known as one character. You want to do acting and do other stuff. That's great. So, with him taking a break, a hiatus, it would be only the smartest thing to do would be to bring in the uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man back and get us back into that world that's not connected to the Avengers, that's not connected to the Marvel Disney franchise where you can have the freedom to do a lot of stuff and why not involve the Tom Hardy version of Venom and give us the Venom arc with that way <laughs> Andrew Garfield or Spider-Man 3 as, he, as he's referred to in this film gets his fight with his alien and really digs into this next level and you can do so much of this character because now you have a millennial age Peter Parker you know late 30s and he is dealing with growing up as an adult he is probably at this point could be a professor at a high school I mean a college or a professor at a, a teacher at a high school or something or work at a lab and then you can introduce even the Miles Morales character in this film because he is of the age that he can train a tutor he could be a mentor and tutor a younger high schooler that could be the Miles Morales character and in that way the character is on film but not just like an Into the Spider-Verse where you had the older uh, Peter Parker there who's essentially a mentor for this young Miles Morales character because in his world Peter Parker died so with that being said this movie this gave him a lot of options a lot of ideas I, I smash it this thing was definitely a banger uh, watch it I watched it twice the first time I saw it in 3D because I had no choice that's all they had available and the second time I saw it again in IMAX and I loved it loved the IMAX screen I originally want to go for Dolby but maybe if I go a third time I'll see it in Dolby so I see it in a different format every time we'll see if I do that or not I already saw the movie twice I don't know if I want to go a third time but that being said, this has been another CGR Media Review. I am the podcast member, Sonny the Mike for Hire the Puerto Rican Powerhouse himself, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, signing off till next time. Thank you for tuning in for this long and winded-ass review of Spider-Man No Way Home. Thank you for tuning in. As always, have a great holiday. Happy New Year. Till next time, I'm out. Peace.